Welcome back to another episode of A Gift from Adversity. My name is Jay Love. I'm your host. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today we have a wonderful guest. And before I introduce my guest, I want to introduce my book, which is A Gift from Adversity. This is published in 2020. The subtitle is Overcoming Sexual Abuse, Domestic Violence, and Bullying and Homelessness. So before I introduce my show, I wanted to share that after I published my book, a lot of people started to tell me about their experiences of being abused, being homeless, similar experiences that I have. And I felt very compelled to start a podcast and platform where people can safely share their adversities and tools that they use to overcome and a gift that came from it. So today we have Crystal from with us. Hi, Crystal. Hi. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for inviting me. Great. So Crystal, um, tell our audience who you are and what you do and where you're located. Oh, goodness. Um, so I am a, well, I'm the founder of Design Life Studio. I am the creator of the Design Life Method. I am a feng shui designer and a clutter expert. And so I help work from home entrepreneurs to declutter and design a workspace that really empowers them to create the life and business that they want. Um, we've been nomads actually for the last couple of years, but we are now in Portland. We've been here for almost a whole year. <laughs> so. We started here and now we're back. Great. So do you have any social media website that people can follow? Yes, I'm actually spending a whole lot of time over on YouTube. Um, you can find me on YouTube under my name, Crystal Holm, um, Crystal with a K. Um, or there's going to be a link, right? Uh, yeah, just tell our audience what our social media handles are. I'm just typing as we go. Oh, um, yeah. Crystal Home on YouTube um, is where I'm spending most of my time. But you can find me on Facebook at Feng Shui Crystal or on Instagram at crystal.home. Got it. Great. So what kind of YouTube content do you have? Well, um, the content on YouTube is all about e designing either a space, a business, or a life you love. And then when did you start to get into Feng Shui? Um, you know, I actually started getting into Feng Shui when I was in college, um, years and years ago. Uh, <laughs> I went to school to become an interior designer, and in my psychology class. I had to write a psychology paper on something related to my field of study. And so I chose feng shui and it, it's been a love affair ever since. <laughs> so in Japanese, we say hūsui, and then it's very popular uh, in Japan as well. And sometimes we have this word kitamakura, which is like north pillow. So kitamakura is you cannot like put pillow or um, put your head in those 
uh, it's like for dead people. And yeah. so okay. we have this natural, like, husui, like, feng shui um, knowledge since I was a child. And I didn't know what it was, but, like, you no know, people, my family kept saying those things or mirror or, like, where the entrance is and then how the entrance should face where the sun um, rises. It's very interesting, like, in Japan, like, I cared a lot more but in america i didn't really think much but then i feel like nowadays people are starting to adopt this concept a little bit more what do you think i do i think people are are i mean we have entered into the age of aquarius right the intellectual age right the age of information and so people are starting to um understand how important it is to really be energetically in alignment with um with yourself with your space right and so people are really starting to expand more in their thinking and in their concepts and a little less um mundane and a little more esoteric yeah i think we're definitely leaning into that space of more open thinking. I'm very intrigued. And then do you use the feng shui technique for your home? I do. I do. Um, I, I always have. Well, since I learned about it, I always have. Um, I use it in in varying ways in my own space, uh, depending, right, because we move around a lot. And, and so sometimes I don't have the ability to do much much changing of anything. And then there's other times where I have a little more freedom to be able to change around my space. And so it's always, it's, I, I, I like to use it as a tool, um, right? Feng Shui is really a tool for, for being able to use your space in such a way that it empowers you no matter, no matter where you are and what you're doing. So well, thank you so much for sharing that. Now, let's move on to our first question for the show, again, from adversity, which is the adversity. So can you tell our audience, what was your adversity? Certainly. Um, I, I wasn't sure which story I was going to share, but given where we just started, <laughs> I, I feel like um, I did actually grow up in a very abusive home. Um, my mother married a pedophile when I was nine. Um, I had a, a lot of abuse growing up, um, and stepped into, even as an adult, right? Several abusive relationships, uh, in a row. And then, um, as an adult, I had actually an injury that I, I couldn't walk. Um, I, I injured myself at work and I could no longer walk. Um, I was pretty much left to fend for myself and fight against the insurance company <laughs> um, to try to get some basic, basic medical care. Um, and it very much was similar, right? Both 
were a very similar situation, right? The the bullying from my from my parents was very much the same as the bullying from the insurance people as an adult. So Sorry, I think you said something. Oh, uh, no, no, sorry, go ahead. Um Um and so I lost my thought for a second. <laughs> Uh, um, bullying, like the insurance company as well, and you were, uh, you grew up in a very abusive home. I did. I grew up in a very abusive home, <clears throat> constantly being told, you know, that I was worthless and just, just basically an obligation, right? That they would get rid of me if possible. Um, but you know, I wasn't. I was told a lot, just how worthless I was and how nobody really cared. And, and so then even as an adult, when I was injured, right, the same thing happened, um, all over again. Um, when I was trying to tell, uh, even like tell the doctor, this is what I'm happening. This is what I'm feeling. This is what's like, this is what I'm experiencing. And nobody, nobody would listen. Nobody would hear me. Um, nobody would believe me. I, I had to, I was sent to, I think five different quote unquote, independent medical examiners, all of whom said, Oh no, there's nothing wrong with her. She's just a liar. Um, which actually was the same thing that happened as a child. When I told my mother that my stepfather was, was abusive she said the same, you're a liar. And, and she covered up all of the evidence. Um, she took me to a therapist and told him that I wouldn't stop lying. And so anytime I tried to tell him about what was wrong and how I was being abused, he would say the same thing, stop lying. You, you know, you need to tell the truth and you need to, you know, and nobody would hear me. Nobody would listen and nobody would ever believe me. So it was sort of like a pattern that started in childhood and then just sort of continued on and on and on in a repeating pattern um, in until this, I guess, was kind of the last one, right, was when I when I hurt myself at work and and reached a point of like helplessness and hopelessness and just, you know, like it didn't matter how hard I would fight. It's like fighting back against this unbeatable giant. Uh. Well, that's a lot to digest. And then I'm very sorry that happened to you. And tell us more about, um, your abusive household were you physically sexually abused as well and or just verbal abuse um everything all of it um there was a lot of uh, I, I i almost call it religious abuse um right a lot of my parents like to think they are good christians and so they wrap everything in a, a standard of you know, you, you have to be this way or 
we will beat you into submission. So a lot of physical abuse, a lot of very strangely inappropriate uh, sexual behavior. Um, my stepfather is a, a very violently abusive alcoholic. Uh, and so just oftentimes he would be just drunk and naked, it, it passed out on the kitchen counter, you know? So when I would get up in the middle of the night and go to go into the bathroom, like I would just run into a naked drunk, uh, in the kitchen. Um, how old were you? I was nine. I was nine when they got married. Um, and then, I mean, they're still married to this day. So, um, I, from, from the time they got married until, until I, I was an illegal adult. Um, I did, I did actually live with my father for a couple of years in there, but, um, I was forced to go back into my mother's home. Um, always just. And did you have siblings growing up? I do. Uh-huh. I do. I have a number of siblings. Um, I have two sisters. <laughs> I have a stepbrother, a stepsister, a half sister. Um, and then, you know, I had a bunch more step siblings on the other side. Both of my parents remarried. So, um, there was kids galore <laughs> in my, in my family, but growing up in, in the household that was my mother's household, the, the one where we were all being abused. Yes. There was six of us, myself included. Do you know all of them were abused equally or somebody was more severe? You know, I have to say that my sister is, my sister was probably their favorite victim by far. Um, followed by my brother. Um, my brother was the only boy. So he was singled out. Uh, frequently for, for special abuse, right? He was singled out and humiliated often just for being male in a house full of, of females. Um, but my sister was more their favorite, I would have to say by far their favorite victim always. I mean, like from birth until long, long past even into adulthood, you know, it, 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 for some, it doesn't always stop, you know, like I stopped having anything to do with my parents, but you know, no, my sister was, and I think the younger ones were less abused. Um, but it's, so it's, did you witness the abuse of your siblings? as well as your abuse. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was sort of a constant, it, it was sort of a constant experience. It, one of the things my parents were big on was I, I, I sort of think it was this divide and conquer method, right? So if any one person did something wrong, we would all be punished for it. Right. So, you know, it didn't matter what that thing was or who the guilty party was. Even if, you know, if we were asked, like, who did it, even if the person said it was me, it wouldn't matter. Everybody would still get punished. Uh, that was just their principle. So it was a lot of, we were 
to police one another and, and, you know, just to protect ourselves, I guess, you know, so there was, So you and then your siblings like went through this horrible, extreme abuse. Then now you are in an adulthood that how did it, how is it affecting your adult life and your siblings' adult lives? Um, honestly, we don't, we don't really talk. <laughs> none of, none of my siblings do. I, I cut off all of communication with my family in 94. My parents kidnapped my children um, and kept them for about a week. I had to get the police and social services involved and, um, and, and get them back. And after that, I just cut off all communication with my family. So I didn't really, I only talked to my, my one sister over all of, all of these years um, until just, just within the last couple of years, along my own, you know, along my own healing journey, really, I, I connected with my siblings and had some conversations with them. And I would say there's not a single functioning adult <laughs> in my family. I mean, outside of myself, and I even think I still am in the work, right? I'm still doing the work and still on my healing journey. My sister has started. Um, my, my brother, I think, wants to start and, but isn't really sure how they're very, my, yeah, my siblings are all very dysfunctional. And growing up with this extreme environment did you have any friend or advocacy service who kind of understood you or took you under their wings or you had really no help um i the one person that i had was my stepmother um my my father you know he remarried as well and the woman that he married was um the probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Uh, she taught me everything, right. That, that a mother would teach her, her daughter. Um, she was, she was the light in the darkness. She was, she was that person that inspired me to be able to become something different, I guess, is, is the best way to word that. Um, she was, she was so different from everyone else in my, in my family. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, so I had her, uh, at least for a few years, right. They, they married when I was about nine, she passed away when I was 15. So just a few years, but important years for for me anyway yes absolutely especially when you are going through you know those so much of the traumatic situations and then growing up like teenagers plus school and you know peer pressure it's just a hard age 
Yeah. And all the changes, you know, my physical changes in my body and hormone changes and all of the, all of the stuff, my, my interests changing from childhood interests to adult womanly interests. And yeah, there was so much. And, and I, I didn't have any of that from, you know, from my mother. So I, I, I definitely, it was a gift to have my stepmother for sure, uh, to be able to have some female figure that, that I could look at, um, for how to be. <laughs> sure. And then you mentioned that as an adult life that you attracted some abusive relationships. Yes. Mm -hmm. I had a couple of abusive relationships. I, <clears throat> I got pregnant in high school and was pretty much straight into like a very, an abusive relationship. And then another abusive relationship after that. Um, and it wasn't until my late twenties that I finally was very much able to walk away from from that. And I wouldn't say that my next relationship was all that much better, but, um, in perspective, it was probably thousands of times better. <laughs> it just still wasn't that great. Um, you know, it took, I, I really had to heal me first. So yeah, it was like, I, every relationship I had was, was abusive in some way. Um, and until it, until, until I stopped having an abusive relationship with myself, really. Wow. So let's actually, I, I appreciate you sharing your story bravely. And then um, when you say I was in abusive home, I was in abusive relationship, people who have never experienced that pretty much can't grasp the magnitude of psychological effect and hopelessness mm. and the fear that just can cover your life and you feel trapped and you feel absolutely nowhere to go. And I think the reason why I wanted to create this podcast is to connect with the people who went through adversity like myself but to be able to share our experiences so people can understand the magnitude of impact and then we can be like watch out watching out for potential abusers for our new next generations that if this happened to the child this is how it's going to happen when you grow up right because it just lives it just like it just lives in your body and so it feels normal it is normal and and i i agree like we've we've normalized so much abusive behavior that yeah we are raising an entire generation of of that's all they will exper experience is abuse yeah, and then it's not right. And then we just have to cut the cycle at some point. Like, say, 
you know, my fear growing up was because I was raised in very abusive home. However, I was in Japan and you are in America. We pretty much experienced the same feeling of being trapped in this household growing up. Now, you fear that it's going to continue for the generation. However, I believe that with the education and the willpower power and the perspective that we can change that cycle, stop it from our generation. I believe that. I believe that wholeheartedly. Uh, yes. And I'm sorry that you went through that, Crystal. Thank you. I'm, I'm sorry that you experienced it as well. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that any of us experienced it. It's none of us should have. It, that's not what life is meant to be. Yeah, I know it sucks, but you know I think our conversation is very important, and I appreciate you being brave and willing to share your adversity with us. Now I want to shift the questions to. Um, tools that you use to overcome but before you answer i just want to let our audience know this is one of my favorite part of the podcast because a lot of times that people who has never experienced the trauma they would just say oh you're maybe depressed just get a therapist you're gonna be fine if you find the therapist and then you know do some sessions but it's not like that easy. And all the guests that so far has shared and many creative ideas and creative tools that they use to overcome the adversities. So what was the what was the tools that you recommend or it worked for you to overcome your own adversity? Oh well it it actually is feng shui <laughs> and and decluttering not just the physical but the mental and emotional baggage right that was keeping me stuck and was keeping it stuck in my body and keeping all of that trauma stuck there um being able to create a space I created space very intentionally for healing. Um, I, I started my healing journey from all of the childhood abuse. Um, for me, like you mentioned, right? A lot of people say get therapy. Well, for me, therapy didn't feel safe, right? Especially given my experience when I was younger. So I went through a series of um, like personal development workshops. And I went and I did these experiential events to allow me to release, you know, all of the trauma that was being held in my body. And um, as I was on that journey and working my way through all of those things, um, and it, it was after that, that, that I had been injured at my job and, um, and, and when I was laying there in bed, uh, and not really able to do much of anything and not getting any help from anyone anywhere, I was 
feeling again in that same hopeless place of I'm on my own. I, I don't have help. No one's going to be able to help me. What am I going to do? And so I just took what I had learned with, around feng shui and I decided I was going to create this space intentionally to heal my body. Um, almost like it was an engine, right? Uh, that was where the energy is going to be created for this healing. And um, I would do yoga there every single day. I decluttered everything out of the space and went through this um, process, uh, sort of created this process, um, right? I call it declutter your mindset of being able to really use my clutter and understand what it was saying anytime I would get stuck, right? And have, and it would help me with releasing all of this out of my space, out of my body, out of my environment, out of my life. So I understand about decluttering, like, you know, reorganizing, you know, Konmari, like the Marie Kondo, Marie Kondo, you know that. Yes. I, I'm familiar with her work. Yes. I, yeah. I actually talk about her work a lot because her work is sort of the opposite side of the coin to the work that I do. Um, she talks a lot about all of the things that are not clutter, all of the things that spark joy, all of the things that you love. Um, and all of those things are, are not clutter things all of the things that are clutter are all of the reflections of the all of the bad stuff all of the limiting stuff all of the um clutter <laughs> yeah no i just wanted to mention because um physically decluttering like say you know cleaning and get, getting rid of things but Mentally, how would you do that? Like, how did you do that? How did you work on decluttering your internal space? So it was in this process of, um, I had, I was, um, how do I describe this? Actually, I was in this process of being on my, on this journey and it was so, sort of as I was developing even my own business and how I was working with clients, I was on bed rest at home. I couldn't move. I couldn't function. I was just stuck there for almost three years, um, unable to do anything at all. And in this process, my space got cluttered, right? I couldn't declutter in a way that I normally do. Um, in a way that I normally would function. So everything started cluttering up in my space and stagnating that energy. And I was stuck, right? My body was actually getting more and more and more stuck. My thoughts were getting more and more stuck. Like my vision and the and what I was trying to create was almost shrinking um, because I couldn't think um, with all of this stagnating energy that was going on. So as I was working through this process, I actually started with just trying to create something useful 
for someone else. <laughs> I was developing a business and my, my coach had said, make this thing. And so I started on this process of decluttering in a different way than I had ever done before because I was stuck in my body and unable to just do what I normally did. And so I started looking at really what was, what was I, like, where was I stuck? What was it telling me? How was I approaching this different, right? I'd been working with clients for a few years at this point. And so I'd learned all of these things from them that I had this opportunity to now apply to my own life. And it was almost like, it was like walking in a wholly different door to the same room that you've always been in. Only now you're seeing it from the completely opposite side of the room, <laughs> if that makes sense. And so being able to declutter, um, and it helped me just to develop this process of going through and making these connections between how our physical clutter is related to the mental and emotional. And so going through this five-step process to declutter it all um, and how it helps with that release of all that mental and emotional baggage that is, is being carried along with it. Well, thank you so much for that. And then my last question is a gift that came from the adversity. So how would you describe a gift that came from this adversity? Well, all of this, really. Um, I had one of my biggest dreams um, had always been to have my own business. Um, and I didn't ever really know what that was. I'd tried numerous businesses over the years. Um, and I always knew that I, you know, I wanted to work with women and work and empower women. And, and so I think the whole journey, that whole process led me along to where I was. And then I guess the final part, right, where I was stuck at home with on bed rest, it really, all of that gave me a, a new perspective in how I look at things and how I approach things. And it shifted even how I used to work with clients to how I work with them now. And so it really changed how, not only how I approach my work, but even the impact that I make in the world, right? How I do everything. And so that was a big gift to be able to create this whole framework and method uh, around something that was could have really changed my, it did change my life, um, but it could have changed it for the worst. Um, and instead it, it, it really gave me this whole new way of, of helping people um, and helping empower them not and lift their life to help them create a life that they love. Um, and in so doing that, it really helped me create a life that I loved. And so that's probably the biggest gift. Well, thank you so much for sharing that, Crystal. So as we close our show, I would like to have you speak 
uh, to our audience if they are listening and then going through a difficult time. What is your inspirational advice, uh, motivational advice for those people who are currently maybe going through adversity? Um, when you're going through the adversity, you have to love on yourself. Um, if, if, in order to make it through. And a lot of times that's really hard, uh, especially to love on ourselves directly. Um, especially if, if you, if, if you're coming from like an abusive background, being able to step into that is so difficult. So one of the things I always tell to, to my audience and the people even that I help who have also struggled with a lot of this is if you struggle with that, start by treating your home and your space like it's your best friend, right? Treat your home the way you would want to treat yourself. Buy it gifts. Um, do nice things for that. Clean up. And not like clean up like it's a chore. Clean up like it's a gift of love that you are doing for your best friend who maybe isn't feeling their best because it is your home is a reflection of yourself. And so by loving on your space, you're really secretly loving on yourself um, until you're able to really step fully into that. Well, thank you so much again, Crystal, for sharing your story and tools and then gift. Yes. Thank you. Absolutely. And thank you everyone for tuning into A Gift from Adversity. Well, I got um, one before I go. Uh, I got um, comment, live comment uh, from my friend Joe McGee. He said, very good talk. Thanks for sharing your story, Crystal. And it was great to see your journey to empower others through your finding in your own self-discovery while reflecting on your own experiences is remarkable. Oh, thank you so much. And empowering others. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's from my friend, Joe McKee, who actually was on my show as well. Thank you, Joe, for saying that. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I have a great guest coming for the rest of the month and then May. And I'm very grateful, Crystal, today for sharing your story with us. Thank you. Thank you for hearing me. Absolutely. And uh, everyone, stay positive and stay empowered. And then we will see you next time.